Disclaimer. Due to the content of this film, there is reference to slavery and the torture and abuse inflicted on enslaved people. Please be aware of this before continuing with this episode. Hello, I'm Anna. And I'm Bethany, and we're trying to review every Jane Austen adaptation ever. Welcome to Austen Translation, the only Jane Austen podcast that covers the characters' star signs that we know of. We're two best friends who've known each other since school. I've persuaded Anna to join me on this Jane Austen journey. I'm less of an Austen expert, but I'm no less ready to share my hot takes on these adaptations. So this week we watched, well actually at the end of the last episode, I'm pretty sure I said we were going to watch the 2007 Mansfield Park, because that's what we thought. The Johnny, Johnny Lee Miller. Is, yeah. Was. But it turns out he's in the nineteen ninety nine version, so that's the version we watched. It's not like any of you are watching these beforehand anyway. <laughs> so it was very different in terms of the other Mansfield part that we've watched, the nineteen eighty three version. Yeah, that was a real bad introduction. First impressions do stay with you and like I just was like, Mansfield Park's just a bit shit, isn't it? just not very good. Yeah, I mean, I still think, spoiler, is the weakest story of them all. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I mean, we'll get into it. Yeah. There were some bizarre plot points in this one. This is the thing, because neither of us have read the book. The only, like, other experience of Mansfield Park that we have Mm. is the 1973... 73 or 83? 83. Sorry, 1983 version. So, obviously, we don't have a great grasp on the original material so some of it we were like uh what (laughs) yeah well I think the 1983 one I assumed because it was so boring and so long that it must have been very true to the original material yeah I've made an assumption though so did I we don't know if that's necessarily true so we don't know if this movie has jazzed it up I mean, jazzed is one word for it. Yeah, there's a lot of problematic issues throughout this film. Spoiler alert, alert. Two issues, I would say. Like weird, misogynistic, creepy. Yes, actually. Well, we can say it now. It's not a spoiler. Like No. So Mansfield Park is one of the only books that references slavery of Jane Austen's. And they do mention it briefly in the book. I know that because Sir Tom owns slaves in Antigua. You always call him Sir Tom, but no one has ever called him Sir Tom. And it's That's his weird. name, isn't it? She calls him Sir, Sir Thomas. Oh, Sir Tom. <laughs> That's why Tom is called Tom, because it's Sir Thomas and then his son is called Tom. I think it's because I was writing quickly. I just shortened it and then Sir Tom. it got stuck in my head. Sir Tommy. Tommy boy, I mean, he's not Tommy boy to me, he's a fucking weirdo. He's so weird, he doesn't deserve a nickname. Sir Thomas, yeah, he owns Slaves in Antigua and that is part of the book. It's not really, I feel like I've read that passage and then you looked it up. Well, I know, I remember there being mentioned, because I googled like mentions of slavery in Jane Austen at one point, this was before Mansfield Park I think, or maybe it was just after we watched the other version, and the only thing I could find was the, it was a conversation between Mrs Elton and Jane Fairfax in Emma, where she's oh. like talking, comparing the trade, like, well she's she's talking about the idea of being a governess as being comparable to being in the slave trade and Jane Fairfax is like uh 
don't think that's quite the same thing but that's like I can't I can't find anything else oh no they definitely it's definitely mentioned that Sir Thomas owned slavers in Antigua in my yeah I mean like because I mean when he says Antigua you assume considering the time period the fact that he says plantation I think yeah yeah there's 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 definitely reference to it and this film decided to try and address that we're gonna lean in they clearly obviously didn't what's the word consult they didn't have a racial sensitivity reading that that much is definitely clear there was clearly absolutely no consultation with the black community yeah or just any black person I reckon literally one one person (laughs) would have made a hell of a difference to be good yeah I mean who's to say maybe maybe there was one (laughs) but it yeah it was not it didn't look like it I think if it was made today it would if it was released today people would have some things to say yeah that's the thing I mean we both said it it's just it felt like they were trying to make it out like this was bad but in doing so they kind of did a lot of harm with what they did well yeah and basically and I like I was trying to explain this last night because I live with my parents currently, and when I watch a movie, usually I do a little brief review with my parents over the gin table. I just be like, oh, watch Mansfield Park tonight, and they're like, how was it? And then I like go into it. So I was saying to them, it's like the level of, it's like what I think Banksy does with art, which is where I think my primary, no, not primary school, secondary school art teacher said this. It's like Banksy makes like pointing at political art. No, I think it was my. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It was my foundation tutor. Where it's, he's just pointing at a thing and being like, look, that's bad. But he doesn't have anything else to say about it. He's just being like, it's bad. There's no nuance. Like, there's, it's like, look, there's an image of two kissing policemen. We're talking about homophobia and the police force, I guess. But, like, what have you got to actually say about that other than you've just shown it? You're just yeah. being provocative for the sake of being provocative without actually having any critique or giving over any power to the people that you're trying to represent in some way spoiler alert there are no black actors in this film yeah and also at times it just felt like it was putting black trauma on display for plot and character development yeah and I think it's like it could have been I think it's I think it's good that this you know you can't make Mansell Park without talking about the fact that you know it is the kind of whole basis for the film is on the back of slavery right Mm -hmm. I think it's good that they tried to do that but they just did it so bad they just did it badly so insensitively there's a bit at the very beginning which we're gonna get onto the plot now I suppose where they where they use a slur and even after everything else that we saw throughout the film it still felt a bit like when white people love an excuse to say the slur like they feel like it's oh it's acceptable for me to say it in these circumstances yeah like oh it's in context so it's fine but it's like no but did you actually have to did you did you really did you need it because he he doesn't use a slur and then he uses a slur so i think he says black people and then he uses a slur does he yeah, because he says it a couple of times. Oh, yeah, he, I think because he, he mentions the slaves and he says black slaves and then... Um, yeah, and then, he, and then he says the slur. And I'm like, well, we've proved that you could have had that conversation without the slur. Yeah. But anyway. Gonna try and use the word enslaved people because it's more humanising than slaves, but I may forget. Okay, yeah, we will say enslaved. Thank you for pointing that out. We start with Fanny Price is at home. 
Well, she's talking to her sister. Oh, yeah, no, no, that's right. She's she's reading her sister like a story in bed. <laughs> or she's telling well, her sister. Oh, yeah, because she knows she's going away at this point, And that's the bit. But she's telling her a story and, she, and she's like, remember to brush your hair, but don't brush it off. <laughs> yeah, con- no, continue to brush your hair, but not all off. And she also calls her sister little girl, which is like a bit weird because she is also a little girl. But yeah, so it's like clearly she's got this good relationship with this one sister of hers. It introduces Fanny Price as like a human being with a personality which is very different to what the beginning of 1983 was because basically yeah Fanny doesn't really speak for like the first 10 minutes. Yeah well I mean the whole of the 1983 version she has very little personality and I thought that was a purposeful point. Well it'd be a bit weird for Jane Austen to just be like I'm gonna write a main a leading lady but uh she will have no personality. Well not like no personality but Fanny Price was very I mean it sounds kind of gross but she was very like submissive yeah in the 1983 version and very much like happy with her servitude and stuff yeah which is weird because like loads of people like end up falling in love with her and you're kind of like but why yeah well anyway a carriage comes to pick her up and at this point we discover because when she's getting into the carriage she asks her mum to write to her when is she when she's coming back and like you're just like oh my god nobody's told her she's not coming back and her mum just looks completely blankly at her and she like drives away and she's like oh that was weird (laughs) (laughs) i wonder when i'll be coming back mum still told me that's strange and then then we get to the point they hear they see this ship and there's like singing coming i thought it was cries of pain i don't know actually it could have been there was some some noises coming from the and ship. It, no, I because it, it didn't weird. sound good. No, but I thought maybe it was like kind of wailing, but maybe not. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, we have wailing cries of pain. Well, yeah, and then, quite possibly. And then she asks what it is, and he explains that it's enslaved people. He doesn't say no, that. No, he doesn't say that. He Well, what he says is he says, oh, it will be black slaves coming in on the ship. And then he uses a slur, which I'm not going to use because we're two white people, so. But he says a few slur as gifts for the wife. And it's just, and we were just like, what? Because straight away, because straight in there. We did know at this point that it doesn't go in depth about. Yeah about the slave trade in this book so it felt a little out of place already yeah and I thought maybe this is going to be the one time that they mention it which would be really weird because they wouldn't be unpacking it at all yeah but no that's just a passing thing she sort of looks a bit disturbed and then they they carry on in the carriage I think they're trying to set up here that because this is throughout the book there's there's all almost um an argument between the family um a a chasm between the family about the people who support abolition and the people who yeah enslaved people yeah so so it sets it up just to to explain to you that that slavery is bad (laughs) or just in case you were like on the fence about whether slavery was bad it's like introducing that it is bad yeah I know it was 1999, but I really can't imagine that being a mainstream view at that point. No, I mean, neither can I, but like, I I can't think of any other reason other than just like, yeah, she doesn't like it. They're just pointing out that people were enslaved. Yeah, well, anyway, she gets dropped off. She gets dropped off in the middle of the night, it seems. It's 5am because Tom, (laughs) the 
son of the house is on the balcony. He's clearly drunk. Do you know it's five in the morning? And the guy's like, yeah, I was told to drop Fanny Price off by Mrs. Norris. Tom's like, yeah, we'll just drop her then. So the man <laughs> leaves Fanny, maybe 10 years old, just in the rain in the like and they don't come and get her for two hours yeah she's just waiting she's like and then it cuts to her and like when it's light and she's just like all wet and like bedraggled and then (laughs) mrs norris comes to see her mrs norris is her aunt fyi i think this movie does try to be funny but because I don't know. It didn't really achieve it. So she meets Mrs. Price, who is obviously rude and horrible. I would say this Mrs. Price is actually a bit... Mrs. Norris. Mrs. Norris, sorry. Mrs. Price is Fanny's mum. You did this before. I know. There's so many Mrs. and Misters in this, and it's hard for me. (laughs) Um, See, you just can't call anyone Mr. because you're disrespectful. Hey, there's a quote that is literally like, call everyone by their first names, doctors and presidents, and I sort of agree with it. Well, that clearly wasn't written in the Regency era. She meets Mrs. Norris, and I'd say Mrs. Norris isn't as rude in this one. I don't know. She's just, she's, no, she's very fucking rude. She's just not as. <laughs> Doesn't get as much screen time. <laughs> yeah, there's, she, and also she's just not as, like, obvious about it, I think. Yeah. Like, she's not just like, Fanny, you're trash, <laughs> which is what the other Mrs. Norris yeah, is like. She's just like. Thing, like, She's just very unkind, but she's not, like, straight up, like, Fanny, you are nothing. You mean nothing to anybody. Remember that. You are trash. (laughs) It's truly, like... The thing is, though, I think that made it better because it was comically bad. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I always feel like... The Mansfield Park 1983 was kind of funnier than this one. Do you know what? I kind of missed it a little bit. I know. <laughs> I don't know. I hated that I missed it. It's like it's like yearning for a bad relationship. Yeah. You look at rose-tinted spectacles for getting bad bits. <laughs> I can't remember properly as well. And, it, I mean, it lacked any diversity. But I don't remember other than that it it's saying anything problematic. Yeah, no doubt that I could. They did mention the slave trade as well, but as far as I remember, they just mentioned it in a... A very passing way. A very appropriate language way as well. They didn't. Yeah, yeah, it was, I, I think. So I think I missed that aspect of where you're not... Of just white people trying to just stay in their lane, really. Uh, this just felt bad. It made me uncomfortable. I didn't enjoy it. But not like the kind of uncomfortable where you're like, I should be feeling uncomfortable as a white person because I that I need to pay attention to this thing. It's like, it was like, oh, no, no. Yeah, it was a lot. <laughs> the only time they did it well, and we're jumping ahead, the only time I'm like, they actually made a valid point was when Fanny talks about abolition and she's like isn't abolition good and then Edmund JLM's character goes well Fanny you and I both live under the money from the slave trade so he's basically yeah that was the one good he's like you can be all high and mighty but you reap the benefits of this horrific crime so that was the only time they kind of had any kind of sense of awareness and did it appropriately because he wasn't saying oh that's a good thing he's just saying the fact he's just saying you need to be aware of the fact that 
you know, you can try and separate yourself from this. Yeah, yeah. It was almost like she was like, well, I'm an abolitionist. I have to concentrate when I say that word. I'm an abolitionist. But he was like, yeah, you you may be, but every, your clothes, your food, everything comes from the money from, from slavery. Yeah. So then after Mrs. Norris is a bitch, she... <laughs> This is actually, sorry, sorry, this is my favourite plot point in Mansfield Park. Like, the best thing that happens. <laughs> because, obviously, sorry, I know I, I interrupted you, but I get too excited about this thing. You can explain it. <laughs> it's when Mrs. Mrs. Norris is like, look, Fanny's arrived. And then Sir Thomas is like, that's great, take her over to the parsonage. <laughs> and Mrs. Norris is like, what? She's for you. And he's like, what? <laughs> And no one agreed to take the child. And she's just like, no, 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 no. Of course not. Oh, it's honestly, so then like Fanny's literally stood there. And at this point she does interrupt, which I just thought was weird anyway. Well, she was trying to be like, don't put yourself to any trouble over me. Like she's trying to make them feel like less awkward about it. And then Mrs. Norris is like, shut up. She She's just genuinely horrified that she speaks. <laughs> yeah, she's like you'll speak when you're spoken to. Um, but yeah, so they then then Mrs. Norris and Sir Thomas go into a side room, and then you see you see briefly um Lady Bertram with her pug. Yeah, yeah. I've just got in my notes here in all caps pug. So then we we cut to uh, Mariah and Julia introduce themselves. Sir Thomas and I should have taken this advice when I met Bethany, but Sir Thomas says <laughs> um, to. To Mariah and Julia, we must prepare ourselves for gross ignorance and meanness of opinion. And I should have listened when someone told me that about Bethany, but I didn't. And here we are. Someone told me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is just the very, the very tip of the iceberg of t- Sir Thomas's shittiness. But yes. So she does like a little tour of the house, and you pass this painting. <laughs> it's really got me. It, the, you pass this painting of like a man like with his hands out like he's trying to break out of the canvas right and he's looking very like you know trapped and brooding and then Mrs Norris is like oh yes it's Tom's he did it of himself very modern very modern <laughs> and I'm like Tom oh, Tom you know the original said it was it was Tom's actually yeah, no, he did it. It's a self-portrait of of Tom. And it's like, because there's, there's also imagery later on about, like, starlings breaking out of a cage or whatever. Like, there's a lot of, like, people being trapped imagery of, like, Mansfield Park. And so clearly, like, Tom is just, like, trying to break free of the bars of Mansfield Park. Uh, he feels clearly very trapped, and that's why he is a drunkard. We'll find out. Yeah, that I. It makes a lot more sense the later illustrations that. Yeah. And Tom up as an artist because at first I was like, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew that, and it, like I think what it's trying to do here, and I'm not sure if this is true to the book or not, because in the original, we just we just see Tom as this just kind of lad about town. Yeah. Do you know what? I think it probably was. I can't imagine. Jen- giving him a lot of nuance no I can't really either but that here they're like trying to make him into this kind of tortured artist who is very against his father's uh, profession is a strong word what's the word what his father's doing and so that's why he's constantly drinking and like yeah he doesn't want to be involved in the family business but so Thomas wants him to go to Antigua with him yeah and it does set this up 
immediately that it's almost like the younger generation against, well, particularly Sir Thomas, but the women don't really have opinions, the older women. Yeah, and so, like, Tom is almost, like, actively rebelling against this whereas Edmund is just kind of quite he he doesn't agree with slavery but he's just like he's not gonna have a big yeah well this is the reason why I don't like Edmund reason number one (laughs) reason number one why I do not like Edmund is he's supposedly very principled and this is the case in the other Mansfield Park as well as this one so I think this is a character is he doesn't ever actually stand up for those principles very well he's a bit of a wet blanket but actually no to be fair sometimes he does and sometimes he doesn't well the one time he does is maybe over the play and then he falls back on that yeah but then he used it like in the original in 1983 he's always standing up for fanny and being like no you you know she gets a horse she you know but in this one he doesn't really stand up for fanny very much at all and at times fanny has to nudge him to say something it's like johnny lee miller as well so you want to love him yeah even johnny lee miller can't make edmund bertram a likable man moving on at that point she finds out as well she goes to mrs norris uh how long will i be here and mrs norris is like well if it all goes well forever and she's just like what so that's when she finds out she's not going home and she starts crying yeah mrs norris leaves her and then she just sort of breaks down and she's sobbing and then lil edmund comes in (laughs) and he's like hey cousin what are you doing like what's wrong yeah, so Edmund comes in and he's like, hello, how are you? Don't stop crying. I like crying. It makes your hair grow. <laughs> and you're just like, fuck off, Edmund. <laughs> he's just a fucking weird child. So, like, he, and then he scoots over on a rocking horse and he's talking to her and she's like, what are you doing? And he's like, is it working? Is my behaviour distracting you? I think he says, is my behaviour working? Which is such an odd sentence for a child. Yeah, she's like, a bit and then it then it cuts to fanny oh no her brother's not in this one is it no they cut out the brother they totally cut out charles is it charles yeah yeah and that's like that's basically the whole narrative of mansfield park is like fanny's writing letters to her yeah we all listen to this afterwards on an audiobook probably because now I'm totally confused about the plot but yeah she's narrating these letters she breaks the fourth wall she's looking at the camera and she's narrating these letters to Susie she's describing Edmund and the Mansfield Park in general and her role there kind of giving us background I suppose yeah of like what's going on and yeah as she's narrating she's growing up yeah she ages and then it it cuts to like she's a woman and Edmund is in the room she's reading to Edmund and then uh they're like running around and like chasing each other they're frolicking I wrote they're They're frolicking I did say she's a lot more dynamic and lively in this not really hard (laughs) yeah dynamic than the last yeah but um also Sir Thomas is much more of a villain in this one yeah, he's like, Fanny Price, will you please act, try to act with some decorum? And she's like, sorry. And then she sort of walks a little bit and then they carry on. Yeah, and yeah, like you say, Edmund doesn't stick up for her in this one. Because in the other one, it's Mrs Norris mainly Yeah, telling her off. And in this one, it's Sir Thomas 
I mean, it's Mrs. Norris as well, but Sir Thomas does a lot of it as well. And it seems that Edmund doesn't stand up directly to Sir Thomas. Yeah. And then he's just like talking about some novel and then he's like I need to mold your mind or something in a better way because yeah and he's like I think this calls for some Shakespeare and then they go riding on some horses and it turns out the horse that he's given her is called Mrs Shakespeare and then at at one point I can't remember why but she says that she's a wild beast Oh yeah, I wrote Wild Beast. It reminded me of Dirty Beast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is the thing that Bethany's grandma used to say whenever she'd spill food on herself. <laughs> She's a lot more of a Lizzie character, I think. Kind of not like other girls. Yeah, and she she can't help but speak her mind at points. And yeah. Like this, which I don't think is very Fanny Price at all. But But then I'm like, why would Jane write this really, really boring character? But she does, I mean, not to call Anne Elliot boring. Yeah, but I think, like, well, the thing about Anne Elliot is she actually is incredibly, like, capable. Whereas Fanny Price is just, like, hmm. Well, I think Fanny Price is quite capable. Yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll we'll, Um, we'll listen. This is where they start talking about abolition. And she's like, abolition is good. And he's like, Uh, abolitionists are making inroads etc and and she's like well that's good isn't it and he's like yes but also you would be out of the house if we didn't have it mr norris dies and he dies by falling into his plate yeah it's just like oh mr norris dies and then it cuts to mr norris eating and then he just like falls face first into his lunch I think oh also another letter that she's narrating yeah 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 um because, yeah, she's telling Susie that, that he's died and there's going to be a new parson. And that means Mrs. Norris has to move in to Mansfield Park. Yep, and then a new parson comes. And then it cuts to, like, Mariah. It says, Mariah's been engaged to this guy, Mr. Rushworth, who is, what's his name? Hugh something. Bonneville. Yeah, it's Hugh Bonneville. AKA Lord Grantham from Downton Abbey. He looks so uh, young, bless him. He's very young and he's got a weird hair because he's got like a really high, he's almost got like layers, uh, but he's got short hair and so it kind of makes his hair really high. Yeah, he's that's got the only way I can describe it. Um, but yeah, he's just like a classic, you know, kind of bumbling, but he's likely very rich and so Mariah. Um, is engaged to him they've got this agreement um and then at sort of shortly after that the Crawfords arrive um yeah because they're visiting the new parson I think yeah because they're um the parson's wife's siblings one thing I would say that I quite like that they do in this one is they make Henry and Mary Crawford attractive yeah and it's very much like when they walk into a room the whole room is like "Ooh, oh dang and i quite like henry and mary crawford yeah i do too i can't do you know what i actually saw this on our instagram recently i can't remember who posted it so apologies but someone else was like i just can't make myself dislike mary yeah 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 and it's so true though because because obviously it's the Regency era. I think it was Austin therapy. Maybe. Okay, yeah. Thank you for that. 
but I understand her, like, she seems like she comes off a bit brash, but I don't think she is heartless. No, I think, like, they're they're some of the most complex characters in this book. Like, and I found them, re- like, when I was doing the star signs, I was, I found it really interesting mm. because I had them, like, quite a lot of material to work with because they are clearly, like, nuanced and flawed characters. Where yeah. I don't think with, like, Fanny and Edmund, I mean, clearly they have flaws, but it's not really addressed. Oh, yeah, like, Edmund's flaw is he's got no backbone. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, he does, he does come to terms with that, but it's not like you don't get. You don't get to see very much of that other than just him being a wet flannel. Yeah, yeah. No, I really like Mary and Henry. And I really like that. Obviously, I know that the other one was made in 1983. So what's deemed as attractive is very different. And I'm not saying that the actors who played them were unattractive. But they definitely had made sure that there was an impact when they walked in. And they made Mary a bit more sultry almost. Yeah, she's like a bit of a femme fatale yeah and henry a bit more dashing but also that kind of like playboy dashing where you're like yeah no you know he he as my parents would say a bit of a boy that's what my dad said (laughs) he belongs in the shed (laughs) still making it happen oh do you know what you mentioned that the other episode and recently and i forgot what the reference was and i've just remembered it's because he's a rake of course (laughs) oh All this work for nothing. Because <laughs> he's a rake. Yes. <sighs> anyway. My, you know, I'm so underappreciated in this podcast. <laughs> and Edmund clearly likes the look of uh Well, this Mary. is where the love triangles kind of get started. Because Mariah, this happens a little bit after they need this discussion, but it all kind of happens at once. Mariah, who is engaged... To Mr. Mr. Rushworth. Obviously likes the look of Henry. And Julia's just like, you've got Mr. Rushworth. Why do you like Henry? She's just like, it's just a bit of fun. Like she says, must you always win, even when you already have your prize? Yeah. And then I like I feel like Julia gets is a bit underrated because she like in this bit, she's like, Mariah's like, oh well, you know, I my plans Mr. Rushworth might fall through and then, you know, I've got a backup plan. Julia says to her, you may need your pretty philosophy in the end, Mariah, which she does, foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah, actually. They've got some good one-liners in this. Yeah, probably written by Jane, so. Yeah, probably lifted from the book, but like very nice, quotable. Yeah. But yeah, so Mariah and Julia kind of argue over Henry Edmund is clearly like I can't remember what Edmund says about Mary, but he makes a comment. Yeah, he's watching out of the window. Like Fanny's reading to him again. Usually he's really <laughs> engaged. Like she's like, "What do you think?" And I think he's she's reading her writing to him, and she's like, "Edmund, what do you think?" And he's staring out the window like a creeper at Mary and Henry walking in the grounds. And he's like, "She's exquisite." And then he's like, "They're both great." <laughs> and Fanny's like, "Ugh." And then as Mary and Henry are leaving, they're discussing who their favourite is. And I love this conversation because it's so callous. Is callous the right word? Crap. Yeah, they're so like... So flippant. And so like it doesn't really matter to them. It's just a bit of a game for them. They just don't give a shit. 
I quite like them. They're the most interesting characters in Mansfield Park, I think. I think they're fun, and I think without it, well, I mean, plot-wise, it'd fall apart, but if you had more boring versions of them. Yeah, well, the thing is, they become more three-dimensional. You're a bit confused about whether you like them or not, whether they're good or bad. If you, like, have someone like, I don't know, Mr Wickham, <laughs> you kind of immediately are like, no, you're you're not good, are you? You're not very good. Yeah. There's no, like you say, he's not a 3D character, Wickham. Almost caricature of a rake. Do you know what yeah. I mean? He he serves... He's more there for plot than character. Yeah. Where these are here more for character than plot. Well, arguably. I'm not sure. In terms of the main characters, there's not a huge impact. I mean, Henry is the foil that brings Edmund and Fanny together. Yeah, true. True, true, true. Anyway, there's just a scene where everyone's sprucing themselves up for the Crawford. They've left such an impact, these sexy siblings. And so <laughs> everyone's literally in front of the mirror, like adjusting their cravats and brushing their hair and stuff. And then it's like Fanny at the end, and she just sort of looks in the mirror and is like, right, good enough. Fanny's not self absorbed. She's so humble. She's not like other girls. Yeah. Lady Bertram is like talking about how great life is. <laughs> She's holding her pug. In the foreground is this statue of a black, presumably enslaved person holding a bottle. It's like a bottle of wine holder. Anyway, I think they're trying to do a very obvious juxtaposition. I just think you need, if you're going to go into it, you need to do more nuance because then you end up dehumanising. Well, that's the thing because there isn't a single black, like you've got all these images, all these allusions to slavery and enslaved people but you don't have the human experience you don't have the voice of an enslaved person or you know like you don't ever see that it's a completely voiceless yeah it's, it's basically just this like this thing is bad i am here as a white person to tell you that this thing is bad and it's that thing of almost talking over yeah like no one asks you to do this yeah it's that thing of being like look you shut up a minute while i tell people how bad this is yeah like pass the mic as they say when we see that statue that's when thomas jr that's why i call him, I call him thomas jr it's so funny that i say sir tom and then thomas jr yeah i know so I've made it so much longer. <laughs> Thomas Jr. arrives back and he's drunk. He comes riding on a horse with his friends Yatesy. Love Yatesy. His name's Yatesy. It's Yates. Which also just makes me think of the bar. You know, Yates's. No. You know Yates's? It was one of those high street bars that is in every kind of high street. Mm. And it's a bit rough and ready. Mm. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Mm. A bit like get a bit lively on a Saturday night. Well, that's what Yates is like. He's ready to go. <laughs> the equivalent would maybe be like a slug and lettuce. Yeah, I feel like it's a bit fancier, but yeah, slug and lettuce is it? Well, it depends what which one you're in. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, that's what. Whenever they say Yates, I just think of Yates's. He calls him Yatesy one time, and we just couldn't get over it. So that's his name now. Yeah. <laughs> we latched onto it. Yatesy. It's because he literally arrives back drunk, which I don't understand because I think he was riding a horse. Yeah, he's on a horse. He's sort of like wobbling on the horse. <laughs> I was like, you trying to 
tell me Tom rode all the way back drunk on a horse? I think so. He was supposed to go to Antigua. They're like, why are you here, Tom? You're supposed to be in Antigua. He came back early, but he didn't tell anyone he came back early and he just went straight to London with his mate Yatesy. To do a play? No, to go out on the lash. But then Yates introduces a concept about a player. I think that the the reason was that they're like they were gonna do a play bit got cancelled um, in London which is why they like bring the idea there because they're talking about lovers vows they explicitly say that it's very like raunchy play yeah and that's literally mentioned immediately as soon as Yates. yeah the minute that Tom comes home they're like yeah we're gonna do this play this is when Mrs Norris says that horrible so they're all discussing the play and the parts that they're gonna be and then I think Fanny said something like this isn't a good idea Sir Thomas isn't going to like it. And that's when Mrs. Norris just completely shuts her down. She literally goes, Fanny, why are you here? Mm. And I'm honestly like, just savage insult though. Imagine like you're in a group of people here. You go to speak and then, oh my God, it gives me flashbacks to secondary school. Mm. Like where someone mean would be like, why are you here? Yeah. But anyway, so Fanny gulks away. She's just like, Okay. And then Edmund very weakly, pathetically goes, Aunt, couldn't it have waited? It's just like, Edmund. What was the fucking point? Say it with your chest. <laughs> Such a wet blanket. She gets upset. She, she's literally crying outside the room there while they discuss Fanny a little bit. Yeah, goes. and Edmund doesn't go and like see her. Because they kind of discuss what discuss whether she's out in society and that kind of I think Henry's like so is she out or is she in and then Edmund is very against the play but then Mary turns to all the men and she literally like so who's going to play my lover then and I was like oh no who is she making love to which one of you men will I have the pleasure of making love to and And they all turn around she is such a like she's like a, a fox she's foxy yeah, yeah, she is. She she knows she's good looking and she owns it. She uses it to her advantage. And that's why I think we're supposed to dislike her. But it's 2021. We love that shit. Yeah. Sorry, Jane. Part of your instinct, I think, because of societal... We live in a society. Yeah, because of society and what it does to women, your instinct is to instantly not like it. Yeah. I quite like it. <laughs> but also, you've got that thing where you're like, do I want to be you or do I want to be with you? Which is later on comes out, not very far away from this. So she goes after Fanny, I think. So she goes to ask Fanny to rehearse with her, rehearse her lines, but then Edmund's there. And mm. so she's like, in the, in the 83 version, she rehearses with Edmund. But in this version, because it's the 90s, they're like... <laughs> We're gonna do some some queer baiting here. Yeah, so Mary rehearses the lines with Fanny very intimately. She's like got her hand on her waist and she's like staring into her eyes and Fanny's clearly very uncomfortable and Mary's just like, mm. and Edmund's just like in the background, like freaking out. <laughs> yeah, he's like clearly enjoying it a little bit. He's loving it. Also, at this point, it's quite clear that he cares for Fanny more than he does as a cousin. Which yeah, but <laughs> he's so it's in this one. It makes it very clear that Edmund has underlying feelings for Fanny. Yeah, and obviously he fancies Mary. So now he's got these two women that he clearly fancies. Getting it on. Getting it on. And I'm like, this is 
this is some classic 90s shit, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. These women feel each other up. <laughs> yeah, because it's not, it wasn't really for, they weren't doing it for the gays, they were doing it for the for the Edmonds of this world. They, it get, things get flirty and then Edmund is like, oh, um, maybe I should take this part. Actually. Yeah, I've changed my mind actually. Uh, yeah, I've got that. Now that how much touching is involved. <laughs> when they're doing the lines, Mary says to Fanny, None but a woman can teach the science of herself. <laughs> oh, God. It's so gay. It is. It would have made Mary even more likable. It would be so good if Mary actually was. Because she always goes on, like, in the uh, H3 version about how great Fanny Price is. She just is. Also, like, I'm just saying, in terms of Mary's personality, it could easily be canon that she is bisexual. Yes, agree. Especially in this film. I think in this film, Mary's bisexual. She's bi, it's canon. Because of that thing at the end as well. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so they're all practicing the play. This is where Mariah and Henry are getting quite intimate with their rehearsing. I think he like moves the shoulder of her dress off. Yeah, and it, like they're playing mother and son, and then so like Henry puts his head on her boobs, like he's a oh yeah, <laughs> boobies. Um, <laughs> while this is all going on, Sir Thomas has arrived back from Antigua. Yeah, he's like, oh, you're doing some improvements to the house, are you? And then he walks in and they're all like... Oh, yeah, because Fanny's like, um, sir? Um, <laughs> oh, dear. She doesn't... One thing sir, I've noticed in this one, Fanny's like, oh, no, as she watches people walk into terrible situations. She just secretly does want them to... Yeah, she doesn't stop things being found out. No, because she, she doesn't like this is happening in the first place. She wants him to get told off. We should mention that, that Thomas Jr. appears to be blacked up. Yes, he is. He's wearing blackface. And sorry, I shouldn't use that word, sorry. I, I don't know if that's the right phrase. Is that the right phrase? I, I don't know. I, I do not know. I think well, I used it originally, but Tom is in blackface. Context clues here, I think he's blacked up. He's in blackface. He's in he's in blackface. Which makes absolutely zero sense. Yeah. Actually, before he discovers the play, he's a creep to Fanny because he's like... Oh, yeah. He, like, Fanny's standing in the hallway and he's like, Oh, yes, Fanny, my dear, you've changed so much. Oh, your figure is improved so much and your face and he's just like being Doesn't a creep he, like hold her waist as well Fanny's clearly like Meh. it's just so weird like and this is a theme throughout where Sir Thomas talks about her body like that yeah in a, just a creepy way and then Mr Rushworth meets him as he like opens the door and is like oh hi I'm Mariah's fiance Mr Rushworth I've got a fancy satin pink cloak and I have four and twenty speeches and he's like cool Cool, 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 bye. It's just like, ugh. Yeah, and then obviously then he has a standoff with Thomas Jr. about the play and Thomas Jr. flounces off. The play's, the play's ended. And then we're in like some kind of parlour where they're all discussing Sir Thomas's trip to Antigua. Yeah. And basically he just, we won't go into too much detail, but he says a lot of racist shit. Some real, some real racist shit. Yeah, like some real, like, colonial... Just, yeah, dehumanising stuff. And Edmund kind of makes one feeble attempt. But he doesn't make an attempt. Basically, Fanny is like... Because she knows she can't say anything because nobody would listen to her. 
she's just like, Edmund, say something. And then he makes like one feeble attempt where he's like, actually, that's not true what you've said because he's like quoting some racist. Yeah. And to be fair, it's quite difficult like because Sir Thomas is quite, and I'm not saying it's like fine, but Sir Thomas is quite like an imposing guy. He's the second son. I think he's quite, well, he's very like conflict averse really. But he's like, sorry, but you can't say that essentially. It seems like the kind of conversation you'd have with like, an elderly person now where you're like you can't use those words anymore yeah essentially it doesn't really stop sir thomas and he talks about bringing one of the enslaved people to come and live in mansfield park and then fanny is like i can't keep up with this and basically she's just like oh by the way if you did that you'd have to free them because slavery is abolished here i think at this point maybe i don't know yeah, I don't think you can you can own slaves in England. And then he immediately does that thing where he turns it around to make her uncomfortable. Yeah, and he's like, "Oh, you're very, you know, you've you've changed, haven't you? You're very like talkative now." And um, Edmund's like, "Fanny has a voracious mind, as hungry as any man." What a compliment? Yeah, thanks. Imagine, oh god. Yeah, and then he starts saying creepy things about her body again. Yeah, she hates it. Everyone's just going on about how, like, well Fanny's turned out. And they suggest a ball in her honour to marry her off because she's so good looking now. Yeah, they're like, she needs to get a man. She's just a sexy little thing now. (laughs) And then she she walks out in almost anger. Yeah, she's really pissed off. And then this is where I'm like, oh, Fanny. Because she walks out and she's upset and then Edmund kind of goes after her. And she's just like... I won't let your father talk about me like one of his slaves. Yeah. And I'm like, funny. It's not the same though, is it? No. Horrible and it's creepy, but it's not the same. No. She goes to ride her horse in the rain (laughs) in slow motion to show how angry she is. Yeah, because Edmund tries to get her to stay and she's just like, no, which I quite like. Edmund, I have mixed feelings about him. But anyway, as she's riding off, he's like, you need to get used to the idea of being good to look at or something yeah that people enjoy looking at you yeah and it's like okay i think he's just been like you need to understand you're beautiful but he could have just said that yeah uh, it's just uh, it's just weird like clearly she's just deeply uncomfortable with any objectification that yeah. she's experiencing and he's like yeah but you're actually good looking but he said it in a weird way and he seems a bit yearning for her at this point because then he looks out the window from where she's gone and Sir Thomas is like, she'll make a good match. And he's like, she's got a good family. And he's like, what the price is? And then that's when Sir Thomas is like, no, the Crawfords. Mary yeah. Crawford. And he's just like, oh, yeah, of course, of course. Because, you know, she's my cousin. Yeah. Not that that stopped anyone else. Checker, checker, checker. Henry Crawford sidles up to Fanny in the library. Yeah, he's started on his project. He's decided that he fancies Fanny now, and he's started on his, his like, project to woo her. Oh, yeah, because I think they were actually there during that racist talk. Probably, yeah. So he probably saw Fanny stand up and also get objectified. Yeah. Made him realise that she's quite a catch. Yeah. She's reading, and he's like, do you mind... He basically is like, can I read to you? Which I like, 
I I know that this is a thing that people do in Regency period, but I just think it's weird. Like, sit down with someone, you're like, let me read to you. Oh, God, I'd hate it. Yeah, like, what do you do while they're reading? Do you sit there? I understand children, because they can't read. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If you, for some reason, can't read, then I understand. But otherwise, I can read myself. Thank you. Well, he does a dramatic reading about a starling in a little cage and how the narrator wants to set it free, but it can't set it free and and then he finishes and it's like ooh symbolism and then finally he's just like you read well and then carries on reading the book also Briar spots this through your door mm, and she's like mm. she then goes to talk to Sir Thomas about Rushworth and they kind of have this discussion where Sir Thomas is like look he's an idiot because he approved the marriage without meeting him Yeah, and now he's like he's an idiot I can get you out of the engagement don't worry about it I'll sort it out and then Mariah's like well he is very rich <laughs> that's yeah she's just like well you know i i want the money but and then i i think that i would like to marry him as soon as possible well yeah because she's also kind of like i can change his personality yeah like he's young yet and like when he's old he might be different and you know like there's no point in in marrying for someone's personality because she just won't stick around whereas money is different and then she's like i want to marry him as soon as possible and i want to bring julia on the honeymoon and so thomas is like okay um <laughs> And then it cuts to Mariah's wedding. Well, yeah, Fanny's telling Susie about the wedding through a letter. Yeah. They don't kiss at the wedding. He, like, sort of turns towards her as if they're going to kiss, and then she's like, nope, it's very awkward. It's when she says Mrs. Norris tries to cry. <laughs> yeah, Mrs. Norris is, like, holding up a, a handkerchief to her eyes, like, trying to yeah. squeeze out a single tear. She's just saying about how the wedding was just very underwhelming. Yeah, and Lady Bertram says, it's a comfort to think that you will never leave us, Fanny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think Fanny's forever like, oh, alone. God, and yeah, so they go off to Brighton, Julia, Rushworth, and Mariah, and then some more queer baiting. Well, yes, Fanny is picking apples in the rain, as you do. And then Mary drags her inside. And then <laughs> Mary decides to dry her by hand with a tiny little cloth. I was just noticing the costumes and the contrast in their costumes. And Mary has a very low, like, revealing neckline. Fanny has a really high neckline. And then Mary undresses her. Yeah, she's in her like corset and her petticoat. Yeah, she's like all wet and Mary's behind her touching her hair. And oh, she like takes her hair down. Yeah, she's like stabbing her with this little flannel, undoing the corset a bit at the front. Yeah, and it's it's just a lot. Also, she does tell Fanny that she has a fine form. Yeah, she's just like, oh, you're very beautiful. Um, She also, before this, which I think is another line from the book, she says something like, you must always forgive selfishness because there's no cure to it, which I thought was telling on her character. Yeah. And then after she's given her some more clothes, she then goes and plays the harp, which I've written down to show she's good with her fingers. No. <laughs> no, I was literally like, are you telling me this woman drags her in, dries her with a tiny little towel, undresses her, then plays her a harp, and it's not gay? It's gay. I'm sorry, canon. Canon is Mary Crawford is bi. Yes, agreed. Then Fanny reveals to her that Edmund is going to be a clergyman as he's like coming in. And Mary's like, what? What? Who would want to be a clergyman? That's so boring. And he's like, well, what would you prefer? And then there's just this whole awkward thing where she's like, yeah, but you could try being a lawyer or, you know, something 
and she's just trying to find any way for him to not be a clergyman. Yeah, she suggests he be a lawyer or be in parliament, and he's just like, no, I don't want, I don't want to do those jobs. But she's like, why not? Yeah, she just really doesn't want him to, and she's like, I could never marry a clergyman. And then Fanny and Edmund go back to the house, and he's like, she doesn't think evil, but she speaks it. Yeah, he wishes all women were like Fanny. Yeah, he's like, I love you more than words can say. And then he asks her for the first dance at the ball. Yeah, and then we're at the ball and Fanny is dressed really nicely. She's also a bit drunk. Yeah, she's ready to party. Then Mary calls out Edmund Fancy and Fanny. Yeah, she fully just is like, I think you should admit that you're in love with Fanny. And he's like, yes, I love her, but there are as many kinds of love as there are something to yeah. something. Basically be like, well, but... In cousinly love, cousin zone. Yeah, so then Henry asks Fanny to dance and he flirts, she flirts back because she's a bit drunk. Yeah. And then they do have a little bit of chemistry and then Edmund and Mary dancing and they're doing that bit where they're swapping partners. You can kind of feel this almost tension between Henry and Edmund. He says something about how she's a good dancer and and she's like, yeah, you're a good dancer too. And he's like, she complimented me. And she's like, I complimented your dancing. Keep your wig on. I I quite like the keep your wig on. That was good. I've just written in my notes here, everyone loves Fanny. Yeah, they do. Because when she walks off, they're all just staring after her. She's got Betty Davis's. Yeah, it's like that kind of moment. And she's like quite drunk. Also, what I quite like about this Fanny is she's not very sycophantic. No, she's not Edmund or anyone. Yeah, she's just like, I'm being me. You can like it or you can not. Then at the end of the night, Henry waves at her. He stands outside her window. And she sees him from the window and he Just like bows. <laughs> yeah, he bows and then she puts the candle out and walks off and he's like, oh, all right then. And, but then this is where she says, run as madly as you choose, but do not faint. Don't really know what she's trying to say with that. The impression I got was it was like almost flirt with love as much as you want, but don't fall in. Yeah, I could do. That's that's the it was the idea of like have have a lot of fun but don't fall in love. Yeah. And Sir Thomas invites Henry and Mary to live at Mansfield. Yeah, because Henry proposes that he buy the parsonage, so that he can continue to deepen the intimacy of their acquaintance or whatever. Um, and then like Fanny goes up the stairs and Henry follows her, and he's like. Obviously, I'm trying to buy the parsonage for you. I want to woo you. She's like, oh, you're clearly just, you're being ridiculous. And he's like, no, I'm serious. I really like you. And she's like, no man dies of love but on stage, Mr. Crawford. I quite like that line because I think he's a bit like, I'm I'm desperate for you. And she's just like, you're not, though. No. Like, that. That's not a thing. Sir Thomas comes to visit her in her room. And this is the point where, like, how old is Fanny at this point? She's been there, like, ten years. And he just discovers that she's not allowed to have a fire in her room. But also, Henry wants to marry you. I'm really pleased for you. Well done. This is great, great news. And Fanny's like, nah. She's like, Henry is not for me. I don't trust him. His sole interest is in being loved, not loving. And then it just cuts. Sir Tom is lecturing her. It's, it's like a lecturing sequence. You know, have you have like training sequences in Rocky, but it's just like cutting to Sir Thomas and his mouth as he just goes on and on and on about how the, all the reasons that she should be marrying. She just kind of ignores it and she's watching Edmund and Mary be together. 
And then Lady Bertram is like, I didn't do this for Mariah. When my pug next has puppies, you can have one. It's one of my favourite bits. Everyone's just like, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Even Edmund at one point is like, would it be so bad? Yeah. And then Sir Thomas basically threatens to send her home. And Fanny's like, oh, to be around people who love you without wanting something from you. (laughs) Yeah, to feel the equal of those around me. She basically, like, sounds quite nice because they'll see me as an equal. They'll love me not because I do things for them. Yeah, and it's just really awkward. So she goes Mm -hmm. off. Yeah, and then they have a really tearful goodbye, Edmund and Fanny, while Mary watches. Fanny goes, I want you to know how much I shall write to you. And he's like, I'll write to you too if I have anything to write of. (laughs) And then, like, Mary's sort of looking at them both kind of affectionately. And I wrote here that Mary and Edmund want Fanny as their third because they both love Fanny. (laughs) Yeah, because she also gives her, like, quite a, like, an emotional hug. And then, so Fanny goes back to her mother. Her mum's surprised when she arrives. I think her mum's a bit, like, put out. She's like, oh, wow, another mouth that needs feeding. The house is dirty and full of maggots. Her dad is a bit creepy. Maggots? Yeah, there's maggots on the table. Yeah. Her dad is a bit creepy. Yeah, he's like, let me have a look at you. Looking her up and down. Made her do, like, a twirl so that you could see her. It was just weird. She cries herself to sleep on the first night. Yeah, you can hear the contrast in the accents because at the beginning, Fanny has like a a kind of West Country accent or something. I thought it was Irish. I know, it's kind of a, I'm not sure, but I mean, they're definitely in Portsmouth, so I guess it must be some kind of English accent. Well, they've got a regional accent, which is just something posh people don't have. And you you notice that Fanny has actually lost that accent while she's been living with the Bertrams. Yeah, and Mary writes to her, she talks about how they visited Mariah and Mr. Rushworth, and she's growing on the idea of Edmund becoming a clergyman, which is just heartbreaking. For Fanny, obviously, yeah. And then Susie, because they keep hearing about Henry, she's like, what's he like? And Fanny's like, a rake, I think. And Susie's like, yes, please. Yes. I love love Susie. Also then Fanny, with a little, she then just gives everyone a dress down, mentions that Lady Bertram is addicted to opium. This is the thing, because I think Fanny's secretly a bit of a bitch. Yeah, like, she's got a lot of opinions that if you just ask her, she'll tell you them. Yeah. Her sister's like, oh, God, that's a bit harsh. And she's just like, well, what are you going to do? The messenger comes from Henry. Oh, yes. This kid outside (laughs) her house just being like, Fanny Price! I bitch, don't do Fanny Price! She's like, I'm Fanny Price. And he's like, you sure? She's like, yeah. And then... (laughs) Sets light to this string and it travels all the way up. And then these fireworks start coming out of this basket. And then the basket opens. And are they doves? Yeah, so all these doves fly out. And then you get this, like, firework display... With these doves and the whole family's come out. And I was just like, like, what the fuck is happening? It was actually a really great moment, I think. It was very funny. Then Henry visits Fanny. They walk down the docks and he says that she know that he knows that she loves Edmund and then he says Edmund's great but he will marry Mary. Yeah, and I'll I'll wait for you. Yeah, I think this is quite like a noble thing because what he's saying to Fanny is like I'm okay with being second best. Yeah, and I was like I'm kind of rooting for Henners here. 
Yeah, well, part of me is a bit like, you deserve better than Fanny at this point. <laughs> Seems like he's really actually into her. She's been a bit callous about it. So after that meeting with Henry, Edmund then writes saying he wants to marry Mary, and Henry visits again to make his case and he comforts her about Edmund like she's literally crying and he holds her which is like quite yeah. a nice this bit is so bleak her mum is yeah. like look Henry's great like he's a great catch it it would really worth it and then she like goes on about blah 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 can't trust him and then her dad calls out to her mum in the bedroom basically like in a very creepy way yeah like come here yeah, you get the picture. Then her mum just is like, just remember Fanny, I married for love. And it's like, oh god, bleak. And I think that is the turning point for Fanny almost. Yeah, she's kind of like, oh god. Because then next time Henry turns up. She says yes to him. Which we were like, what the fuck? Yeah, because it did not happen in the other one. Yeah, she also. said no. Make out. Yeah, so so like basically he's like, you could have a life of wealth with me. And she's like, yeah, I know. And he's like, it's like a yes. And she's like, yeah. And then they, yeah, they make out. And then it's it's like her sitting up from bed and you're like, was this a dream? Did she just have a dream? No, I took it as like, yeah, she's woken up in the middle of the night tortured with her decision but it doesn't make any sense because when she said yes like she fully made out yeah with henry Henry, like as if they had really good chemistry also you don't really just kiss people willy-nilly in regency times no so it just felt a bit like that's quite a forward thing to do he sneaks in with a bunch of flowers oh i'm so sorry for him oh he's like dancing around he's like good morning my darling and she's like he's dancing around with her and she's like get off me get off and she like freaks out and she's like i can't do this and then he does legitimately lose it because i am like you have messed him around a bit now yeah you messed him around with his feelings as well like you literally said yes you made out with him after he'd been trying for literally like months yeah and then like 24 hours later not even probably like 12 hours later you're like actually no so he's just literally like you know what i can't do this because she's all like oh i don't know i can't trust you i still don't trust you and he's like you're talking to me about trust you literally just accepted my proposal and then yeah went back on it like what the fuck yeah and you know what i do think he was mugged off he was <laughs> he deserved better then Edmund arrives because there's been bad news about Thomas Jr. So they travel back to Mansfield. They have like this moment in the carriage. I think Fanny is a bit annoyed at Edmund because I think Edmund has at this point said he's going to marry Mary. He's like, surely you and I are beyond speaking when words are clearly not enough. And I'm like, well, okay, but some words would actually help in this situation. Yeah, because he puts his hand down next to him. Clearly implying this is a thing that they do where they have their hands touching. And she doesn't immediately put her hand down. Mm. It almost as if, like, she's like, hmm. And then he says that, and then she puts her hand down with his, and they hold hands. And then he falls asleep in her boobs. Yeah, well, he falls asleep, and then he falls onto her boobs. Like, it's not like he's just snuggling it. Like a weird man, baby. <laughs> Motorboating her. um anyway they get back and tom's snoring sounds like i just noted down here that tom's snoring sounds like my rabbit when she snores (laughs) also this is the bit where they're all 
disgusting. And Mrs. Norris is again really rude. Because Fanny's like running around helping. She's like, Fanny, how often, like, just to ask, how long are you staying? And Fanny's like, I'm not sure, Aunt Norris. How long are you staying? And it's like, oh, sick bird. Because literally, like, why is she there? Um, there's this really inco- inca- awkward encounter with Henry. She just walks. Like, They're just like, he's a bit heartbroken still. And this kind of heavily implies. If you know the story of Mansfield Park, that what happens next is actually due to the fact that Henry is heartbroken and not that it was in an inevitability. Yes. And then Fanny goes into Tom's room and she's hanging out with Tom while he's ill. She finds this like sketchbook. Yeah, in his room. And she starts flicking through. Well, she takes it out of the room because she knows she's not supposed to be looking at it. She starts flicking through and it's. It, his depictions of what has happened in Antigua. Yeah, very graphic. Depictions. Yeah, very graphic. Depicting, you know, se- sexual assault and uh, torture. Yeah, so like literally like torture and rape and all of these horrible images, and which is why I think that they're, they're putting this on for plot development and not for any actual legitimate reason. Very traumatic images. Yeah, like, and I think it's supposed to say, like, Tom, the reason that Tom's totally got fucked up when he left Antigua is because he's just seen all this shit. But also, like, was it necessary to put all these drawings of, of black trauma in there? Yeah, exactly. No. Like, it feels like it was done for character development and not actually to talk about the trauma of black people face. Again, they don't have a single black actor in this, right? But then they 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 will use the trauma of of black people like to forward the story, and it just yeah like, exactly um, that's exactly what they've done. And also importantly, he depicts his father in these not necessarily all of the events, but he's watching these events. Yeah, he's like watch he's watching as it's happening. Then Sir Tom finds her flicking through this book. Fanny is like obviously quite distressed at seeing these images yeah i mean they are like extremely distressing images yeah and um she's just like freaking out and sir tom finds her looking at them and he freaks out because it's almost as if they didn't quite know what was actually going on or they choose they chose not to yeah they 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 would not have known the details of that yeah he kind of grabs it off her and tells her to go away yeah and then he like throws all the drawings in the fire and he like has his head in his hands yeah as if that was what he needed to realize yeah i'm like uh did the uh seeing the literary seeing the thing happen uh, did that not... not being there enough did you have to see other person's reaction to it yeah like uh, no and also i suppose that's him accepting that the reason why thomas jr is so fucked up yeah, because he's witnessed all this brutality and he can't. He can't hack it. Yeah, he can't come to terms with it, kind of thing. He can't. He can't accept it. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, and then Fanny walks in on Henry and Mariah. She hears them. She hears them. She hears oh, sick noises. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, it's fucking. It. It's fucking brilliant. It's like an episode of Gossip Girl. Like. <laughs> She walks in the literally naked. Yeah, she hears these like noises and she hears banging first of all and then she hears male groaning. 
Uh, I'm grinning because it's so bad. It's uh, so bad. And then she goes to explore and then she literally opens this door. If you heard groaning and male noises and banging, would you not be like, I'm just going to leave that? Yeah, I I mean, (laughs) we're in the 21st century, unless, of course, the circumstances, because nobody should be banging and groaning at that point. So it's important to know who is doing the banging and the groaning. Lady Lady Bertram and Sir Thomas. Anyway, so she walks in and it's just like, oh, and then Henry's like, oh, no, Fanny. Fanny. Every time they're like. (laughs) He he abandoned Fanny for Fanny. And she immediately runs out. And I was literally like, considering the day she's had, so she saw those drawings. She's just had a roller coaster. Also, she's probably like, this is Regency area. She would not have like seen sex. No, she would have been like, what the fuck are you doing? She runs into Tom's room and she's like clearly distressed. And Edmund's like, what's going on? And so he runs, he goes to see what has happened. And he sees um, Mariah like covered with a bed sheet. And Henry is like shirtless in the corridor. Yeah, it's his sister. And also, then Mariah's like, don't you dare judge me, Edmund. You know I'm trapped. Uh, yeah, and Edmund's like, I'm obviously going to judge you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm judging you, judge you right now. Judging you so hard. He like goes back to Fanny and like comforts her and she like puts her head on his chest and he's like cradling her and then he like puts his hand on her face and like goes to kiss her and I'm like this is not the time nor the place. Yeah well then Fanny almost goes for it and then Edwin's like no. And then it's like oh god (laughs) it's made even weirder. Also then okay it's the next morning and Mr Rushworth comes in and he yells Good morning, Mansfield Park. <laughs> you know about that. And he's arrived with a journalist, which is really fun from the Times. Yeah, that's great. Always bring your journalist when no one's expecting you. That's always going to go down well. Yeah, he goes up to try and find Mariah and then he's asking where she is. Basically, it becomes very clear that they're gone together. The pieces are falling into place. And the newspaper man is writing notes. Hurry. He's just got, he's like surreptitiously like pulling her pencil out (laughs) and then obviously next thing we know it's in the newspaper sir thomas makes fanny read the article it's so weird because they're like in a family crisis and Mm. sir thomas is like fanny you read it you have such a strong clear voice and we're like are we still going on about how great fanny is at this very moment everyone's just like this is this is bad this is bad. And then Mary immediately defends Henry by going, it's 1806 for heaven's sake. <laughs> and I just, I just, I really enjoyed that bit. Then she immediately, the practical, pragmatic person that she is, lays out a plan for them to survive the scandal. Like, yeah, she's got a strategy. The scandal has only just started. <laughs> she literally only just found out and she's like, right, here's what we're going to do. Like, it's not even her family. Yeah, well, she's just like, look, me and Edmund are going to get married. We'll try and get Henry to marry. Like, Edmund is not proposed, mind you. Yeah, and also, during this plan, it involves Thomas Jr. dying. She's like, well, I mean, like, chance sometimes is kind, because if Tom dies, then he'll be the first born and he'll like be the heir so and everyone is literally like horrified obviously. they're just like because they do like top 
Like, they're a family that seem to like each other. Yeah, and Edmund is, like, literally, like, has tears in his eyes. And he's just, like, looking into the distance, like, what the fuck is happening? And then Fanny calls her and she's just like, what, you think that's good luck if Tom dies? And then Mary immediately turns on her and she's like, well, actually, this is your fault because this happened because you rejected Henry. Yeah, she was like, don't be judging me, Fanny Price. I was like, yeah, which is that one bit where I'm like, Mary, you're indefensible here. <laughs> yeah. You... And at this point, Edmund has realised who Mary is. Not that she ever hid it. No, but he's like, he's like, clearly the idea, like the person that I fell in love with is clearly just an idea in my head. And I've finally realised that. And I, unfortunately, the person that you actually are, I don't want to know you. Yeah. I don't know you and I don't want to. He breaks off any kind of agreement. And she just leaves the house. And then (laughs) Sir Tom then goes to apologise to Thomas Jr., which causes an immediate recovery. The healing power of apology. And then we kind of get the roundup that Fanny does at the end, where um, Mrs. Norris is sent to live with Mariah in solitude, which is quite fun because he just, and he's like a boiled egg that she just slams on her plate. Yeah, she's just like, fucking slut. <laughs> yeah, and then we take this egg, you slut. <laughs> take this egg, you slut. That's the title. <laughs> and then Mary and Henry move to Westminster, and Fanny goes to find people. Who ha- like their modern value. Oh, I wanted to mention, I think I missed this earlier, but like Mary smokes, takes Henry's cigarette and like smokes it at one point. Mm. And it's like this kind of, there's a slight like sense of like incestuousness. Well, I don't think they really, they don't cross the line, but there is this element of like, they're very close for, for brother and sister. Yeah. Well, they're very comfortable with each other. And yeah. They and they don't really, like they're not prudish with each other. And they're, yeah. they're not really bothered. And, like, they're in this... They're living in, like, some flat in Westminster. With their two spouses. Their spouses are sitting down next to them, and then the spouses look at one another, and it's like, oh, they've clearly got, like, a... Yeah, like an arrangement, because then also Henry's eyeing up the, the maids, Mary's eyeing up the butlers. Yeah, they'd, they'd be fucking. Yeah, they'd be, they'd be fucking. That is what they'd be doing. I said they're in a polyamorous relationship with their partners. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, and knowing Mary, she's probably fucking the Henry's wife. Yeah, yeah. See, she just she's got a lot of loving to give. Then Edmund declares his love for Fanny. Basically, then he's just like, "Oh, Fanny, I love you," and she's like, "I know," and he's like, "No." Well, he then goes, "No," like a man loves a woman, like a hero loves a heroine. Yeah, it's like, oh god. I was like, are you twelve? Yeah, like <laughs> he's like I have loved you all my life, and I was so I was so focused on doing the right thing that I forgot to do the right thing. And I'm like, so what was the first right thing? Well, yeah, that's the one time I'm like, at least Edmund admits that he fucked up. Yeah, I do. I do recognize Edmund's that. personality. He's so focused on doing the right thing, he doesn't actually do the right thing. Yeah, and that's that is true. But I'm just trying to figure out what the first right thing was. Well, I think probably... Mary? Well, no, I think maybe not standing up for abolition, like that kind of... Was that it? I thought it was about the romance stuff. Well, I just think it's general, all of his decisions. 
fair enough. Then we find out that Susie, because Edmund and Fanny are getting it on, and then we see Lady Bertram go, they seem to finally be getting their act together. Yeah, like Lord and Lady Bertram walk past as they're making out, and they're like, and yeah, like, Lady Bertram out. had that chalked up from the beginning, the sly, <laughs> sly woman. Her <laughs> and her pug just gossiping. Um, Susie comes to live at Mansfield Park, probably to replace Fanny's role. But yeah. also, Susie sees it as a great way to get an education. Yeah, so Julia's, like, educating Susie. Yeah, because um, she's almost like her lady's maid. Yeah, and then Julia gets a letter from Yates, which I think is just implying that Julia gets married to Yates. And then she's like, Tom gets stronger. And then that's when she goes, Sir Tom abandons his slavery empire in Antigua and goes into tobacco instead. Yeah, and I'm not sure if they're like, that is supposed to be ironic because tobacco is still bad. Oh no, because she's, yeah, like I think tobacco was quite new at that point. Yeah. But the end. Okay, no, so tobacco in the American colonies was completely held up by slaves. Yeah, see, I fucking knew it. I was like, my understanding of the tobacco trade was that it was built on slavery. Yeah. So, see, because then at the end, she's like, things could have been different, but they weren't. And I'm like, yeah. Seems a bit glib, considering. Why is Lady Catherine to bug like that? Don't you know it's because she's a Virgo? Why is Mr. Darcy a twat, my friend? Can't you see it's because he's a Capricorn? The Starfinds. Did a characters are very yeah. different to how they are. Apart from Edmund, maybe, but even then, he's quite different to how. Yeah, I've done two. I've done two for each of them. Well, I haven't done every single character, obviously, but um. So, Fanny Price. She is an Aquarius slash a Taurus. I see that because she's not like other girls, and she's really stubborn. <laughs> yes there's the Aquarius thing which is like she's she doesn't quite fit in she's not the same as the others just like her whole writing stuff that's very Aquarius yeah. but then Aquarius is a fixed air sign and Taurus is a fixed earth sign the whole thing about Fanny is she's very consistent that's what everyone likes about her Edmond Edmond Edmondo he is a Virgo slash Pisces. Yes, I definitely see the Pisces. I Two do sides see of the Virgo because he's quite virtuous. He's like quite service oriented. I mean, like he talks about wanting to be a vicar and having that life of care and contemplation or whatever. And he does care for Fanny, and like that's how he kind of expresses his love. And but then Pisces, because he does have this like tendency to kind of like imagine to have an idealized version of things in his head. Yeah. That leaves him to not actually take action. Yeah. Mary Crawford. She is a Capricorn slash Gemini. See, I wasn't sure. I thought you were going to say, I I knew you'd kind of bring up Capricorn because she's very pragmatic and practical. Yeah. And she's got that steeliness to what she has to do if she needs to do it. Geminis are just interested by learning and experiencing as much as they can she wants to she wants to grab life with both hands but yeah. she's also very practical about the best way for her to do that as a regency woman which is to marry rich 
I think the Capricorn really came out when she's laying out this strategy for yeah. the family. And she can kind of compartmentalise a bit and just put the emotions away. Yeah, and then at the same time, she's like thinking about Tom, she's thinking about Edmund, she's thinking about Fanny. Like, this is very Gemini, where she's like, she can, she, she can hold all of those things at once. Yeah, Henry Crawford. Scorpio slash Sagittarius. I thought you were going to say Aries. I could have said Aries, but I don't think so. I think... (laughs) Obviously. (laughs) Scorpio is fixed water. Because he's he's got that emotionality, which is very intense. And actually, that pretty much stays the same. He has his desires, and that's where I think, like, maybe Sagittarius. But um, you could be right, it could be Aries. But Aries is more like a cardinal side. But then maybe, mm, actually, uh, maybe you have a point with Aries, actually. Yeah, it's just because he kind of wants what he wants. And he he's not like he's particularly malicious. He just yeah no he's I think he's a Scorpio slash Aries on second thoughts. What about Thomas Junior? Do you have him? Yeah, Aquarius slash Scorpio. Yeah, I see that he's got that stick in his tail, but he's also an odd one out in the family. He's very intense. He is an odd one out in the family. He's like a little bit of a weirdo. He's not afraid to speak his mind. Mariah. Mariah is a Libra slash Leo. Yes. She's very much knows what she wants and how to get it. But she also doesn't know what she wants. Well, yeah, like it's almost like she knows the power she has. Yeah, well, like, is that Libra? Because she's a Leo in that she's like, this is me, this is what I want, this is who I am. And she she loves getting the kind of attention. But then she's a Libra in the sense that she, like, she wants it all. Mm. And she can't really have it all. We're not going to forget to rate it. This is a song that we play when we remember to rate the adaptation. No, no. This is the song that we play when we... Remember to do the thing. No, no, no. You almost <laughs> lost it, didn't you? You almost I did. lost it. Um, okay. I enjoyed Fanny a bit more, but generally, whole <laughs> yeah. Fanny, but they really fucked up. They really did. And it could have been something good, and it wasn't because they fucked up. They, um, they just needed a racial sensitivity, and you know, just black people you know include them if you're talking about them yeah or just leave it alone if you're a white director just leave it alone i understand not shying away from it because you have to acknowledge history to learn from history yeah but you didn't have to do what you did with it no so maybe a five four yeah i think i'm gonna i'm gonna give it a five for the acting was good yeah the acting was good it could have been good yeah the the costumes were nice they weren't super like amazing but and it like it had the potential if they'd have just not gone the way that they went yeah exactly they could have easily with the casting that they had and like the characters were likable enough yeah. I mean, much more likeable than the 83 version. Yeah, exactly. And they could have really explored some bits further instead of doing what they did. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I, I'm going to say four. You're going to go for a five. I mean... Maybe I'll give it a 4.5. Yeah. It just was disappointing. Yeah. I thought it was going to be good because it had Johnny Lee Miller in, but in- that man can't carry the entire film. Yeah.
That's all from us for now. We'll be back next week discussing the Lost in Austin 2008 miniseries. Please review us five stars if your app allows and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to get in touch, please email us at austintranslationpod at gmail.com or austin underscore translation underscore pod on Instagram. We bid you adieu. Adieu.